T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Home and home. It's a hump day, home and home, and we are three days, 15 hours away from Super Bowl Sunday. Not that anybody is counting. A lot to get to on the Super Bowl front. We'll dive into the best and worst Super Bowl commercials all time. Best and worst halftime shows of all time as well. What are the expectations for this year's show with J-Lo. And our friends from Pope Football Focus will join us on the key matchups to watch in this Super Bowl. Is this like those great Super Bowls with high-flying offenses against a physical and powerful defense? Is it Seahawks-Broncos? Is it the Rams-Patriots? Is it the undefeated Patriots against the Giants? Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, will join us on the program. Again, it is a hump day, home and home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You got to check them out in 2020 without a doubt, folks. The smartest way to hire, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. And we continue to remember the legacy, the life, uh, all of the impact that Kobe Bryant had on the basketball world and the globe. This is not just a an NBA superstar. He is a global icon, and we'll have proof of that. Ennis Cantor grew up in Turkey. He is the Boston Celtics center, and he'll talk about what he did, the extraordinary measures he went to to make sure he never missed a Kobe Bryant game as a young kid growing up in Turkey. So Ennis Cantor joins us shortly on the program. You don't want to miss his insights. One of the more fascinating, intelligent players in the NBA and a talented one as well. And the main question for Ennis this morning is a question looming over the entire NBA this morning. How best to honor Kobe Bryant, number eight, number 24? A lot of theories have been thrown out there, and you wouldn't believe how many people Agree with Kendrick Perkins, former Boston Celtic NBA champ, part of Scallon Palace here on Radio.com. He told us earlier in the week, the first I had heard say he believes that they should redesign the NBA logo to feature Kobe Bryant. Now, that was shocking to hear at that moment. But since that time, a change.org petition has been circulating. And boy, are a whole lot of people jumping on board. 2.7 million people across the country have signed a change.org petition, hashtag change the logo. And some names you might know, not just Kendrick Perkins, have joined that movement. Julian Edelman, Patriots wide receiver. Snoop Dogg, the great rapper. And longtime NBA guard Jamal Crawford, two-time sixth man of the year. They firmly believe that the logo should be redesigned. Now, the league has never formally admitted that the logo is Jerry West, but the designer of that logo said he, in fact, studied a picture of Jerry West when he made that logo back in the day. I thought that was going way too far. I thought that was spur of the moment. The wound is still too raw, but boy, I might be wrong. I think this comes down to the NBA players. They need to ask not just current NBA players, but anything that offends Michael Jordan, his airness should be off the table. Would Michael agree to that? <laughs> no one knows. The most competitive guy we've ever seen in professional sports, my assumption is no. No one believes that Kobe was a better player than Michael Jordan. I think he's best described as the bridge from Michael Jordan to LeBron James. But you have to find a way to honor him because this is a loss that not just NBA players are struggling with. All of us are. All of us are struggling to turn the page to the Super Bowl, and we will do that today. We will talk about the X factors. We'll talk about are either of these teams a dynasty in the making, but it's a tough one to get past. Even if you weren't the Lakers fan, even if you weren't per se a Kobe Bryant fan, which I was neither, 
it has really impacted me and my life and everyone in my demographic, most of you in that demographic, men, fathers in their 40s. It's been hard to get past because he was Superman. And if Superman dies at 41, we are all vulnerable. In particular, it hurts because you see a dad, arguably the greatest dad I've seen in terms of the public sphere in recent history, a guy whose daughter was his best friend and he clearly went down doing anything to protect Gigi. It is a tough loss to get past. So what are NBA players doing? We mentioned the redesign, the logo. Well, some believe that the jersey should be retired. Theoretically, it's number 24 before eight. But like, let's be honest, both jerseys are in the rafters at Staples. Under both jersey numbers, 24 and eight, Kobe scored more than 16,000 points. The Nets, Spencer Dinwiddle, he is going ahead and retiring his number eight himself. He's going to do it. Number 26, he tweeted about this. Now the NBA has to approve these on a case-by-case basis. No clear plan yet what the league intends to do Across the league, the Dallas Mavericks, Mark Cuban said he's going to take the lead here. No one will ever wear number 24 again for the Dallas Mavericks. So with that, there's that question of how best to honor Kobe Bryant. And there really are three main options that people are zeroing in on at this point. We started with number one, that is redesign the logo. Feels a little drastic, but gaining a lot of momentum. Should they rename the all-star game MVP after Kobe Bryant. He won it four times. That seems like a pretty special way to honor Kobe Bryant, although the the all-star game is a bit of a sideshow. But it certainly is something that was very important to Kobe Bryant and something that would have his name would be important. And, of course, that third option is what Mark Cuban did, which is retiring the number 24 league-wide. Um, some other suggestions uh, have been thrown out there. I know Chris Maddox from Sports Illustrated suggested that uh, all players wear number eight or number 24 in the All-Star game. One team with eight, one team with 24. He suggests the captains would wear number two. That was Gigi's jersey number. And a lot of people think Gigi was a future star in the NBA. Uh, we've seen some stuff even last night. Joel Embiid, Philadelphia 76ers, he wore number 24 with special approval last night with a fadeaway jump shot, somewhat reminiscent of Kobe Bryant. He scored his 24th point. It's eerie, um, and it's just a it's a difficult spot for all of us to be in as we continue to honor the life, the legacy. The Lakers will get back on the court. As you know, last night's game was postponed working to get the Lakers back on the court. Clearly that was LeBron James driven. And it says a lot that he was not quite ready to play. Um, What's interesting about the logo discussion is that for those of you that haven't seen the incredible compilation of video out there on YouTube, you could probably find it on Twitter. Kobe Bryant did everything he could to emulate Michael Jordan from the turnaround jump shot Uh, to the way he spoke, to the way he defended. Um, So in a way, you are honoring Michael Jordan if you redesign the logo. How much did he emulate Michael? What was the relationship between the two and the love between the two? Michael Wilbon from ESPN talked to the sports junkies on 106.7 about the two. From afar, like we're guys who never met Kobe Bryant. You had personal interactions with Kobe. Kobe knew that I had covered Michael. And he knew that I was one of those people, this is like LeBron, you know, just 20 years ago, 15 years ago. I was never going to say that Kobe Kobe was as good as Michael Jordan. I just wasn't going to say it or write it publicly. And I would say, no, I mean, he's, well, I think he's one of the, I don't know, five five or six or seven best players ever in the history of the league. I wasn't going there. And it was such a, a thing. It was like this whole thing with the GOAT with, 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 LeBron and Jordan now, but after some games where Kobe would have a 45-point game or something, something incredibly spectacular, if I was at the game, Kobe would come over and he'd like butt me or elbow me and he'd <laughs> lean over where only I could hear it and he would say, what would your boy have done tonight? Would your boy like that game? Uh-huh. What would your boy have done? Would your boy have a better game than me tonight? And with, with a smile and he, he it was some, 
something. It was like just a, you know a little game. He he loved Jordan, and some people like, he didn't want anybody to hear it because he knew what he suspected people would take it the wrong way, as if this was mocking, and it wasn't. It was anything but, and it would and and I could discuss it with him. And I I tried to I said let me talk, let me write about this. Let me talk about this at the time. He's like no 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 I I get killed. I'm like you're not gonna get killed. He said yeah no 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 I I I get crushed if uh-huh. people knew. And I, I couldn't talk, you know, I couldn't talk about it. But it was, it was, it was funny. It was just a little thing. And people would ask me if they saw this. They were like, "What was Kobe saying to you?" I'm like, "I'd make up some, you know, small tale." And but he loved Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. He loved him. And Michael Jordan clearly loved Kobe in return. After Kobe's death, Michael said he was like a brother to me. As Shaquille O'Neal has said, it seems like everyone league-wide and outside of the league, felt some kinship towards Kobe Bryant. And here's what's interesting. Even if they didn't know it, I'm just a 43-year-old father, and I was stunned yesterday to hear my wife, who's not much of an NBA fan, not even a huge sport fan and not a Kobe fan, she said, I can't quite get past the death of Kobe Bryant. She said, Michael Jackson was my favorite singer of all time. And Kobe has affected me more than the early death of Michael Jackson. It struck me, can't quite get past it, and I can't figure out why all of us are struggling with the loss of Kobe Bryant, probably because the father that he was late in his life. Fascinating report from an ESPN reporter that uh, talked to Kobe about being specifically not just a father, but the father of all daughters, and Kobe said to her, I could have had five daughters. I am a girl dad. Folks, we're all girl dads this morning. I am a girl dad. I have two young girls, and I can't imagine not being a girl dad. All right, our good friend Ross Tucker is off today, stuck in some flight issues as he's coming back from the Super Bowl uh, radio row stuff. He'll make his way back here, and we'll talk to Ross tomorrow. But filling in, my good friend Jason Mertides, radio.com. Uh, Jack of all trades. He's like the guy that can uh, play second base. He can close. He could start on the mound. You could start in center field. Could you even catch Jason? Are you, were you a utility man back in the day? All trades, but a master of none. Master of none. Yeah. I could do a but lot of things too. okay, but not many <laughs> things really well. And my I wife share that in every day about it. I think we have that in common, brother. Well, Jason, it's good to have you on the program. And I know you, like me, are struggling to get past the Kobe Bryant loss. I'll admit right here, I have cried a half dozen times about this, as I did last night, watching Shaquille O'Neal, watching Reggie Miller, watching Jerry West, and everyone on this TNT special. It's just something that I think all of us are struggling with. Why do you think that is? Um, I think it's the immediacy of it, the way it happened. And, and it's almost a shame, like you brought up the girl dad thing. It's almost a shame because it took him dying for everybody to realize that he was a great father to girls. And you, and I have a son. My firstborn's a son. So I have that, you know, the mini me version there. But I have two daughters, and the connection with girls is so different because we're not biologically the same as our daughters. So it's a, it's a lot different, and it's it's got a specialness to it. Um, but to find out the dad that he was this way, I think breaks people's hearts, because he had so much life in front of him. He was living the Mamba mentality as a man after basketball, and his kids were picking up on that as well. And Gianna, Gigi, who passed away, that's the big tragedy in this. And, and it's amazing. Some of the tributes last night, like at the Sixers game, they did nine beams of light, which I thought was incredibly touching um, to honor not only Kobe and Gigi, but everybody else that lost their lives on, on that mountainside. So I, I think it's the immediacy of it that you didn't see it coming and you didn't realize the man that he had become, even though he did, was a flawed man at points in his life. Yeah, and we talked about a lot of the very visible tributes. You just mentioned one there in Philly. I found out about one that just made me laugh and and probably will make me cry here. Uh, My 12-year-old son, who I often talk about here on this program, he grew up in the LeBron James era. 
but Kobe is all that matters to him and his friends. And I can't figure it out. They can't even describe to me why it is when they hit a big shot on that court and I'm their basketball coach, Kobe, that's what they say. So what they did in school and what they've done for two days in a row now is at 8.24 a.m. on the clock in their classroom, they crumble up a piece of paper and they shoot it in the wastebasket and they yell Kobe and a couple of them got sent down to the principal's office because the teachers were a bit out of touch and didn't understand what was going on. So with that, that question that we tweeted out at RDC Home and Home, what do you think is the best way for the NBA to honor the life, the legacy, and the career of Kobe Bryant? There is, of course, the, the redesign the logo, retire the jersey, rename the All-Star Game Award, I don't know what the right answer is, but clearly from hearing the pain of the players, they have to do something very visible and do it soon. Uh, that's the key for me. I don't do something soon. I take a step back and I mm. do the right thing at the right time and the answer will come to you in the right time. As far as changing the logo, to me that feels really drastic. Um, so I wait, figure out what the right thing is and really think this out. I don't rush when I'm in a raw emotional state to do something so big. Um, it doesn't, to me, I know the players want something immediate because they want to feel better immediately, but I got news for them. It isn't going to make them feel better. Nothing you do is going to make anybody feel better right now. They're grieving, they're mourning. Changing the logo doesn't change that. So if I'm the NBA, and I suspect they will, they'll take a step back and they'll figure out the right thing to do whether it's come up with some kind of clutch player award or, or something like that, or you know, add something into the All-Star game in his honor, they'll do something. But I would not do anything immediately, certainly not when uh, you're in the, the, the throes or in the teeth of grieving um, was a sudden passing and nobody obviously saw coming. It's interesting. I, I feel like they should do something relatively soon, and I just didn't realize how much the players would – struggle to turn the page and that's why i feel like doing something i don't think you do anything with the logo for now i don't think you do anything with the logo at all for me but at least for now give me a patch on the jerseys with the two four and a black stripe give the players something to feel some connection to kobe bryant right then and there um but i it does feel like we're moving towards retiring his number and we asked that um, our poll question this morning. Right now, the leader is retire Kobe's number. I assume that would be 24. You certainly can't retire both, right? The Dallas Mavericks have said 2-4 will be retired. What do you do? Because both jerseys were historic. He scored more than 16,000 points in each. I guess you go with 24, right? I, I would think so. And the other thing, that, like, like in Philadelphia, Bobby Jones, that number already is retired. Um, if you didn't retire Michael Jordan's number or Wilt Chambers, Chamberlain's number, and I know they didn't die in the same manner, that's not the route I would go. Um, a lot of people want to do that. I know Mark Cuban stepped out and did that already. I think that's an individual club's decision. Um, but I don't see retiring that number across the league. That wouldn't be the route I would take. I would come up with some kind of award in his honor. And I, and I agree with you putting some kind of patch on the jersey for the remainder of the season would be, uh, I, I think, the right move to make so everybody, it's represented on NBA uniforms for the entirety of this season and playoffs. And maybe some way also of remembering those other all nine victims. So maybe there's a 24 slash nine or something like that um, to keep everything in perspective. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do, uh, what the Lakers will do when they get back on the court after postponing that game last night. Uh, the, the discussion will continue to dominate the sports landscape, and we will certainly see a tribute there at the Super Bowl. One thing they could do, like the NFL, and I've heard this thrown out there as well, is have an award like the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, and that might help people to have something every year. The Walter Payton Man of the Year Award has really taken on a life of its own. So that might be an alternative move to something that feels silly like the All-Star Game MVP because it could be about someone who truly dedicates them, the hardest working player, or, or it could be the best parent 
um, NBA player. I don't know, but they could do something special with that. But we are trying to turn the page, and we are getting towards some Super Bowl discussion. And a lot of guests here on the program today to get into it with, both on the field and off. Off the field, we'll talk to Bob Horowitz about the greatest Super Bowl commercials all time. We'll also talk about the greatest, and I'd like to know what's the worst halftime show ever and the folks Steve Palazzolo from Pro Football Focus dives into the key matchups in this game. But uh, we'd like to start our discussion this morning, Jason, with win or lose, does it appear that one of these teams is a dynasty in the making, loaded with young offensive talent? Now, one of these teams has a very young but brilliant head coach. Andy Reid certainly not going to qualify for a young man but you could make a case for either one if they win this game being in the beginning of a dynastic run. Now, I hate to say this. I think it is clearly Kansas City. I think Kansas City is my pick to win this game. I think they probably cover the one point, and I, I like them to win by a full touchdown. The reason I like Kansas City to become a dynasty, and I hate to say this as a Bronco fan, says not just a lot about Kansas City having the best quarterback in the game today and for the next 10 years, but about who else is in the AFC. No one terrifies me for the next 10 years in the AFC with the notable and potential exception of the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know what Lamar Jackson is going to be, but when I look at the NFC, Jason, I see a lot of teams. I'm not sure San Francisco wins their division next year because I think Seattle could be in the Super Bowl next year. I think Dallas could be in the Super Bowl next year. I think Philly, if they can get healthy and get some receivers, could make a Super Bowl. And then you've got a couple of guys that I think still have another Super Bowl in them. Breeze, I think he could get back. Rodgers, I think, could get back. And, of course, I think Matt Ryan could get back, uh, given the amount of talent on that offense and, and, and defense as well. Do you think either of these teams could be a dynasty in the making? Well, the first question you got to answer is, what is the making of a dynasty? Certainly, I think it's a franchise quarterback, right? You have to have a guy that's going to be there for a decade, dominate the league, and the ability of the GM or the organization to put the weapons around him to let him succeed. Something that they weren't able to do in Green Bay in Aaron Rodgers' tenure, which is why they didn't go to that dynasty you know, kind of realm of being one of those contenders every year. But you can look at it, too, and go, well, defense is a big thing, and San Francisco's got that in just a tremendous defense. But is that something that could lead to a dynasty? I don't think so. And I don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo yet that he's a guy that's going to dominate this league at the quarterback position for the next decade and be able to really put the, the 49ers in a position where they're the team to beat because Garoppolo's there. And he'll make you know, middling players great just by his abilities. I don't see that out of him yet. I'm not convinced of that, although I am convinced of that with Mahomes. So if any, any team has a chance to do it, it's the Chiefs. Can Andy Reid be a sustainable coach for 10 years? Is he going to be in Kansas City for 10 years? That's also the other part of the, the, the equation when it comes to a team that's going to be a dynasty is the coach-quarterback combination. So there's been a lot of issues in Kansas City off the field with Tyreek Hill and Hunt and all this stuff. That's got to be cleaned up for it to happen as well. I don't think it's likely, but if you're picking a team, the one team that's got an opportunity, and it's all because of Mahomes, and if Andy Reid can sustain, it's the combination of those two. I'm surprised to hear you say all because of Mahomes. Now, I agree with we don't see defensive dynasties. I'm not sure why. Look at the greatest defense we've ever seen, the Chicago Bears in 85. It's amazing to think that group won one Super Bowl. The Baltimore Ravens that won that Super Bowl with one of the great defenses we've ever seen, the one Super Bowl. The amazing Steve Spagnola defense that shut down the 18-0 New England Patriots. All of them just won the one Super Bowl. So I agree with you there. For that, some that reason, giant defense yeah. actually wasn't very good. It was just good in the playoffs. So that's part of it, <laughs> You're too. Right. But, but you got to right. give Spags credit. He did a great job shutting down the best football team I've ever seen, that, that Patriot team when they ended up winning the Super Bowl after a 9-7 and seven season and going in as a wild card team and getting to the Super Bowl on three road games. Yeah, and that's a factor that I just can't ignore when I break down this game. Again, I continue to lean Chiefs. 
And in part because of Steve Spagnola, in, in particular because he somehow found a way for his Giants team, to your point, not a great defense, but to get enough pressure on Brady and to limit them in scoring and to really shut down the most prolific offense we've ever seen. And that's what I want to talk to uh, Steve uh, Palazzolo from Pro Football Focus about is, is this similar to some of those games in which it's, and I've mentioned a couple, I think there's a couple you put in the conversation, Seattle, when they just stifled Peyton Manning and the Broncos, I think it was 43 to eight. I think of the Spagnola win over that undefeated Patriots team on the flip side. I think the Patriots, when they shut down uh, the greatest show on turf and beat the Rams in that Super Bowl. Typically, we see a more physical defensive effort shut down those high-flying, high-scoring offenses. Do you think this one follows a similar storyline? I don't. I, I, I don't. Look at what the, the Chiefs managed to do. They got off to slow starts in two of their playoff games. And then in, in their first playoff game this year, they went on seven straight drives where they scored a touchdown. And then the next week, another slow start, and then they went on six straight drives scoring a touchdown. That offense strains you so much, and Mahomes and his ability to run outside the pocket, deliver the ball, just the full complement of arsenal of weapons that a quarterback has ever had in this game. And I'm not saying he's the great yet because he needs to prove that on the field, but when you look at what how he strains you, eventually he wears the great defenses down. He'll do the same to the San Francisco 49ers. They'll hang in for a bit, but when you get to midway through the third quarter, eventually you just can't sustain kind of controlling what he does and how he hurts you. And eventually he just out outlasts your defense, and he's going to put up points. I think it's a, a double-digit win for the Chiefs because of Mahomes and the way they eventually wear teams down. Boom! Double-digit yeah. win from Jason Martinez. Uh, go reverse line, confident. like alternate spread. Really get a good so number gonna, on this. Are you going to throw down some cash here? Of course. Absolutely. What's the Super Bowl I without betting it. on it? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, the squares at the Super Bowl party just must not do it. And I think one of the most un- – I mean, we talk about Mahomes a lot, but I don't think we talk about right now he is in line with the greatest postseason in NFL history – right there with Joe Montana's run in 1989 in which he won a Super Bowl, 11 interceptions, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. And right there with Joe Flacco, 2012, won that Super Bowl, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. Patrick Mahomes is in line for the greatest postseason run a quarterback has ever had. And he's what, 24 years old, 25 years old? It's just ridiculous. All right, we're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to go to off-the-field madness when we come back. We'll talk about some of the best and hopefully some of the worst Super Bowl commercials all time. What elements make a great Super Bowl commercial, and what can we look forward to this year? Our friend Bob Horowitz, executive producer of Super Bowl's Greatest Commercials on CBS. Also, Ennis Cantor, Boston Celtics right around the corner. But first... 2020 is a new year and the perfect opportunity to take your business to the next level by hiring the right people. But finding qualified applicants can be challenging. ZipRecruiter.com makes it easy. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find the people with the right experience, invites them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire greatest Super Bowl commercials all time after a break. How should the NBA honor Kobe Bryant? We asked you at RDC, home and home this morning, retire his number, rename the All-Star MVP, change the logo and the likeness of Kobe Bryant, or is it none of the above right now, retire his number is the leader. That looks like a certain possibility. The Dallas Mavericks have already done so. We'll talk to the Boston Celtics, Ennis Cantor, about all of this. He has some special stories about Kobe growing up a fan and then meeting the man 
and he's been a fan uh, forever until the very end and always will be. Also, the greatest Super Bowl commercials of all time. What goes in to making those? And what about the worst? Can you remember the worst Super Bowl commercial ever? At what point did these become larger than life? Let's talk about it on a hump day. Home at home at radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out at ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. I'm Dave Briggs. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. I'm home in Connecticut. Jason Martinez, Radio.com. Utility man, jack of all trades, master of none with us as well. Filling in for Ross Tucker, who's back with us tomorrow on his way back from Miami. Um, so this Super Bowl special tonight airs on CBS. The greatest Super Bowl commercials ever, Jason. Hopefully you have some thoughts on your all-time favorites. Boomer Esiason, Boomer excuse me, hosting it. Here's a preview. <laughs> I absolutely love that Cedric Budweiser commercial for almost 20 years. That commercial has been a fan favorite, and if you're wondering why I didn't select Cedric and that commercial as part of the hilarious countdown spots, well, I couldn't because he's working with us tonight. Working at Vote Central to give us the winner at the end of the show. Hey, Cedric. Hey, Cedric. Thank you for helping us out this year. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Look, I know you all are probably thinking, how can Cedric be objective here and not be partial to the hilarious? Well, I do love the hilarious funny category. And I'm a fan of those heartfelt commercials as well. So, Boomer, don't worry. About tonight, no, man, I am 100% impartial. And as you can see behind me, we are ready for America to vote. Let's go. It's going to be on. All right, tonight, 8 o'clock, greatest Super Bowl commercials on CBS. The executive producer of that program is Bob Horowitz, and he joins us on Home and Home on a Hump Day. Good to talk to you, Bob. Um, Good you guys morning. Have great, these... to, great to be here and talking Super Bowl Great to have you. You have them broken down into two categories, which is hilarious and heartfelt. Typically, which of those tends to resonate better? Uh, well, that's what we're going to find out tonight at 8 o'clock <laughs> on CBS. Um, I think they both do. It 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 depends on the on the creative. I mean, if, look, I, I would say someone said, Bob, what's your favorite heartfelt spot? Um, I said probably Mean Joe and the Coca-Cola Kid, you know, in the Coke spot with uh, Mean Joe in the jersey. And we have that feature tonight with an amazing interview with reuniting the, the kid and Mean Joe. Um, you know, so so like that, that is, that's like touching. It tugs on the heartstrings and it just lasts forever. Hilarious. Um, believe it or not, my favorite hilarious commercials are the user-generated commercials um, which are the ones out of the Doritos smash the uh, Super Bowl, uh, where they had every Jane or Joe in America have a shot to produce a commercial. And some of those Doritos commercials had nothing to do with how much money was spent, but just amazing creative. And, and probably Time Machine is my favorite there. One of my favorite all-time, Bob, is the Doritos commercial with Allie Landry in the laundromat for obvious reasons. Um, but the the one spots that always get me is anything that has to do with the Budweiser Clydesdale horses. Do they do they just uh, yep. test well every year? Right. Well, I mean, yes. They, you know, Budweiser is the king of Super Bowl commercials. They they you know they are. Uh, a show like ours, which this is the 19th year that we have been doing this on CBS, and 
<clears throat> they show rates every year because people just love, the, you know, the commercials. They live for these commercials, you know, each year. And um, and Budweiser with, you know, the Clyde sales and, you know, but then remember they had the Clyde sales. Then they introduced the Dalmatians, and then they made it really unfair when they started introducing the puppies. You know, so you know they have puppies, Dalmatians, Clyde sales, and that's just a winning combination. What to you is the essential element? And, and let's take out hilarious and heartfelt, but what to you makes a successful Super Bowl commercial? Is it all about getting that buzz on social media today? Um, it, it, it's a great question because uh, let, let me answer it to you. Um, mm-hmm. There is what makes a great Super Bowl commercial today in you know 2020. Um, what makes a great Super Bowl commercial overall? So it, let me just hit the 2020 first. 2020, yes, is is the buzz, social media, people talking about it, you know, before because if you're spending five and a half million dollars just for the 30 seconds, you can do the math there and see how expensive that is per second. Uh, it is the most efficient media buy, but at those numbers, the really bang for the buck is all is people talking about it before, you know. The, you know, it's almost like launching a big blockbuster movie where the trailer and the anticipation of, of watching it, so they release ahead of time. Um, so there, there is that. Um, what makes a great Super Bowl commercial overall, whether it's social media or not, and, and again, before social media, what we would say is when you're talking about it, the water cooler the next one, did you see, were those lizards hilarious, right? You know, or even you know, just... One afternoon, it's the water cooler talk. The you know the next day, you want people talking about your commercial. But, but when did it go bonkers with the Super Bowl commercials, for lack of a better term? When did it become a Hollywood production to the level of Steven Spielberg cinema, where these commercials so much gets put into them because so many eyes are seeing them? And when did it become just the commercials became? almost bigger than the game, at least for some people, so much so that you're going to have a special tonight on CBS at, at 8 o'clock about the commercials. When did that happen? 1984. So it's when Apple did the commercial in 1984 to launch the Macintosh, um, and it was a high production, big production you know, value. Um, uh, it was like Apple taking on... You know, Big Brother, and that's really what launched the massive, you know, Super Bowl, you know, commercials as part of major campaigns year in and you know and year out. Uh, and then, you know, what's what what I like to say in terms of how big they are now. Um, you know, first off, again, this is the 19th year we've done the show, and people said, you know, how did you guys start it? And I'm not so sure that people are more into the game than the commercials. They are in Kansas City. They are in San Francisco. True, true, true NFL fans. But I'll give you two points. One, the show was conceived at a Super Bowl party because during the course of the game, we had the buffet table with the big, long sandwich and the chili and whatever, and we noticed that, honest to God, everybody during the game was overeating and talking, catching up. But the minute the commercials came on, they dashed back <laughs> to watch it and said, hey, that this can maybe be a special that salutes and honors Super Bowl commercials. And CBS said, said yes. Uh, the, the other part is, which is really true, is, and I've asked this to the research people at CBS for decades, in radio and in television, you know that there's that, um, that it's the fact that if you take commercial, if you lower the commercial load, you have less interruptions, you have no interruptions, ratings should go up. The Super Bowl is the only three-hour show that if a network decided to take the spots out of the game, say Ford Motor Company was willing to write a check for $500 million to sponsor it, no interruptions, the rating would go down by 25% because people tune in to watch the commercials. That's how big they are. Interesting. Talking to Bob Horowitz, executive producer, Super Bowl's greatest commercials. How has um, the pre-release of a lot of ads now, we see them on YouTube, um, we see them on social media. How has that changed the anticipation of Super Bowl Sunday commercials? You know, I don't know if it's, 
I can't really say whether it has changed the uh, the anticipation for it because um, because if you look if you look today you would see teasers so not the full spots and yet you know you would see full sixty second one you know two minute commercials that are living online now that are going to run in the game so I think Madison Avenue has two different ways to look at that. Um, I think sometimes some of them just want to tease and then have people wanting to tune in on Sunday to see the spots. Others feel if we show them what we're doing on Sunday, it's not going to stop them from watching. In fact, for many, and I've heard this from advertisers, people watch and say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, this is the spot I saw online. You've got to watch this. So that's maybe what it does. You know, it, it kind of gives the provides a little navigational tool for when the game's on that people are saying, oh, I, I can't wait. You're, you're going to love that new Budweiser spot. Always love the Budweiser spot. Last question tonight. The show is 8 o'clock Eastern time on CBS. How do folks vote? Well, um, what happens is, is that we have a countdown from 10 down to the final two, and then the final two at the end of the, the show tonight um, Boomer and Danny will give you a hashtag, either voting for one spot, the best heartfelt spot, or the other one voting for the best hilarious spot. And then at the end of the show, at the end of the hour, tonight on CBS, we will announce the, the winner. And I, and I will tell you in closing that you were saying something about the worst Super Bowl commercial. It was like a setup to say, watch the show tonight, because we have a spot in the show that Boomer, you know, kind of chuckles and says, I just don't get it. Um, it's the cat herder spot. And I and while it ranks as a hilarious spot of cowboys herding cats, try to watch the commercial and then, you know, tell me what EDS was trying to sell with cowboys herding cats. So maybe that's the worst commercial. <laughs> the worst commercial all time. You definitely have my attention now. I didn't think you'd you'd give us a hint as to what might be the worst. Now I'm definitely watching eight o'clock tonight on cbs bob horowitz the executive producer of super bowl's greatest commercials appreciate the time bob my pleasure enjoy the game sunday enjoy the commercials we'll do look forward to watching tonight as well um, we're going to continue to uh talk about the super bowl throughout the program later on the show the best and hopefully the worst halftime shows of all time we'll talk a man who has put together the ranking of the best and the worst. But now we're going to dive back into the discussion surrounding Kobe Bryant and his life and his legacy and how the NBA should honor number 24, number 28. Should they retire the jersey? Should they redesign the logo? Should they name the All-Star Game MVP after Kobe Bryant? Let's talk about it with the Boston Celtics center Ennis Cantor, nice enough to join us on the program on a hump day home and home. Ennis, always awesome to see you, my friend. Um, I, I think you are down in Miami. Are you in Miami or did you not make the trip with the Seas? Uh, well, I am in Boston right now. We uh, we got a win yesterday against, you know, uh, Miami played an unbelievable game. But uh, we're back in my Boston right now. All right. So let's talk about Kobe Bryant. And uh, you are proof that Kobe Bryant is not just an NBA star, but a global icon. You have right. some fond memories of watching him as a kid. Tell us the extraordinary right. links you went to just to watch Kobe. Well, I grew up in Turkey, and just because of the time difference, you know, uh, my mom never let me wait three, four to watch NBA games because of I got to school the next day. But uh, I always sneak around and uh, wake up in uh, middle of the night because it's a Kobe act. That. And I, I feel like, you know, Kobe and, and Lakers uh, was the reason that one of the became an NBA player. And finally, when I get drafted, um, Kobe actually came to, to Turkey for some uh, events and uh, me, me and him actually met, and it was amazing. I could not tell how excited I was. And, uh, um, you know, and then he gave me a lot of tips about the, about the NBA. He gave me a lot of experiences about what's going on, how I should take care of my body and stuff. And then the, and then the, the schedule came out. Our first game was against 
Lakers at Staples Center against Kobe Bryant. I'm like, this is wild. And I remember uh, checking in the game for the first time. I was like, this is the dream came true finally. And I remember Kobe dropped like probably around 40 that game. Nice special that game. And uh, I remember my knees were shaking. I was super nervous. But I think it was an honor to share the uh, court with him at the same time. And, and as he was a guy that, by all accounts, was a player's player, and you said that he would talk to you about, mm-hmm. you know, how to, how to have success at the NBA level. And we're, we're hearing from so many guys yeah. that played in the NBA that he yeah. had these conversations right. with, that he was almost teaching the Mamba mentality both when he was playing and since he played. So when you grow up seeing the way he played the game, how hard he played, how he was such a killer, wanted the ball in the biggest moments, and then you play against him and he bestows that kind of stuff to you, it's, it means a lot to a player like you, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's my mom mentality we've been uh, about. You know, I remember that he used to wake up at uh, 3, 4 a.m. to go to practice. I'm like, why? Why three? Why can't get your sleep? But he he was very special. It was very different. His mindset was unbelievable. But uh, you know, I think one thing what what made him so special is he made himself better, and he made everybody else better on him. Players, the organization, the city, the state. You know, so I, I feel like that's what made him really special because he was made us better. Talking to Anis Cantor, Boston Celtic Center. What did you admire most about Kobe Bryant? Was it the work ethic? Was it that fierce competitive drive? Or was it something mm-hmm. we didn't get to see? I will say I will say his on and off the court work, you know, because he was on the court. But, you know, I think he hired millions and millions of people, uh, you know, globally so that he extend the whole game. And uh, you know, if you ask if you ask a young kid, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? He's like, I want to be like Cole, become an NBA player. So he, that's why his legacy now is bigger than basketball. You know, he's he, when I, he's love for the game. He's actually his hard work. I think he was just, it was just amazing. Just he's an example for all of us. Talking to Boston Celtic center, Ennis Cantor. We're having a little bit of an issue with the Skype connection. For those of you watching on the radio.com app, he is on video with us. We're having a little issue with that. What we're going to do is hang up the Skype call and get Ennis back on the phone, clear a connection for all of you at home. Jason, uh, when you think of Kobe Bryant, just the player, and we've talked a lot about the father that he's been, the businessman, the Academy Award winner. What do you admire most about Kobe, the player? The guy that was an 18-time All-Star, five-time champ. Uh, the fact that he would get up at five in the morning and go work out through his entire career. It's easy when you have success at the level that he did. And Dave, he he won his first NBA title in 2001. He was 22 years old, I believe. Um, it's easy to kind of get fat and happy when you do that. The fact that he didn't and he continued to work harder than anybody else in the league and be able to maintain that level of preparation throughout his entire career is something that has to be admired because it's it's a mentality it's the mamba mentality if you will but it's it's the fact that that never waned is so impressive to me because when you have all the money in the world and you have all this fame and fortune it's really easy to sit back and go i've already accomplished a ton why do i need to go further but he had this drive to be like Michael Jordan, be as good as Michael Jordan. He ends up being third all-time on the scoring list, which was obviously just broken by LeBron the other night in Philadelphia. But just the way he, I think he interacted with other players, even though he wanted to rip their hearts out, he gained their respect. And to me, that that's a tremendous. It says a lot about the man and the competitor that he was because he was a player's player. Yeah, I would admit with uh... – To me, I'm always envious of someone that can be that dedicated to their craft that they're outworking everyone else. 
you know, it's great to see natural given talent like Michael Jordan had, um, like LeBron James had. But I have far more admiration for the guy that takes solid talent and makes it spectacular because we can't often relate to the supreme, superior, God-gifted talent, but we can relate to someone who grinds it out and makes himself better and then did the same thing, took that same approach to his off-the-court approach with with uh, the, the film, which won an Academy Award, Dear Basketball, and did the same thing in fatherhood with Gigi, who he lost as well. Back now with Boston Celtic center, Ennis Cantor, who has some fond memories of Kobe uh, as a kid. And also, Ennis, after you were drafted into the NBA, you were right. back in Turkey at an NBA event, and you had a chance to sit down with Kobe. He took time to talk to a young Ennis Cantor. What did he say to you, and what did that mean to you as a young player? I mean, as a 19-year-old kid, you know, just even meeting with Kobe was like a – was something that I you know I would I could never think of but you know he he was very he was very respectful he took his time told me about all of the NBA experiences you know told me how I also how I always should take care of my body you know just get treatment always eat right sleep well and just focus on one to focus on put the extra work in you know be the first one in the gym always leave the last one like like he was but I think you know just seeing him just uh, giving that, giving an advice for to a 19-year-old kid. It was just, you know, he, he he was so nice and so so humble. I was like, this is amazing. And it's, uh, you're a younger guy in this league, and you know, 27 mm-hmm. years old. What did Kobe? Is he the face of the NBA for you growing up? I grew up. It was it was Michael Jordan. Other people, it was Kobe. Uh-huh. For young kids now, it's probably LeBron or Steph Curry. Uh huh. So right. is Kobe Bryant that face along with Shaq, you know, winning those titles in L.A.? And is he that guy that really is the face of your generation? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, because like, I, I remember growing up in Turkey. I wasn't even in America, but I grew up in Turkey. Every player, all of my teammates wanted to be like Kobe. When you make a shot, you yell at Kobe. You know, I just for him, it was for us, it was just, so amazing to I think we were we are all blessed to have a player like like him and get uh, you know get to watch him and just you know experience a player like that. So that's that that, that was the reason that I was super nervous the first time I stepped on the court against him. I'm like this is so wild because he was my idol, he was my hero, and I grew up watching this guy. And now I'm finally gonna go out there and gonna compete against him. I think forever people will yell Kobe when they hit that big shot. I know I'm a basketball coach and young kids, and they all yell the same thing. They never yell uh, LeBron James or King James or whatever it might be. So now the question, Ennis, of how does the NBA best honor Kobe Bryant? And there's some things that have been thrown out there. Kendrick Perkins, uh, former Celtic, he said they should redesign the logo in the likeness of Kobe Bryant. Mark Cuban of the Dallas Mavericks have retired number 24. Some think that you should rename the All-Star Game MVP the Kobe Bryant Award. What do you think is the best approach? I mean, he deserves all of it. You know, I feel like, I mean, I feel like the whole NBA should uh, retire number eight and 24. I mean, if you see throughout the league, all you see all the players are changing their numbers to eight to something else because of respect of Kobe. And um, I think, you know, he, he gives so much to this game and he made this game so globally. He should definitely, we should definitely do something to uh, honor this, you know, uh, legacy. So I feel like, yes, you know, uh, Mark Cuban just retired number 24. I feel like every show, every team should do that. And it's, when you found out personally what had happened and it was confirmed, were you with teammates? And if you weren't, when you were first with all your NBA teammates, what was that moment behind the scenes like? I, mean, I was actually laying down on my bed and one of my you know friends texted me and I was like, no, this is probably a joke or he's just messing with me or just like it was, it's a fake news, right? And then I'm like, I didn't even, I didn't believe it. I didn't want to believe it. And then I got, I strictly go on social media and read all like the news and stuff. And once he got confirmed that he was him, I turned my phone off and turned my phone on and I just felt numb. I couldn't, you know, 
I was speechless. I couldn't say anything because Kobe meant uh, so much to not just the sports world, to the whole world. So that's why I was like, I was so shocked. And then the second the news that came out and his daughter was with him, I was I was super 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 sad, you know, because it's a, it, it was just so sad that you know just a, uh, what happened over there, and, and I just. You know, uh, just like sometimes you hear a news that you feel numb and you, you can't say or feel anything, that's that's how I felt. Talking to Anis Cantor, Boston Celtic Center, and you have lived the Mamba mentality because, frankly, Anis, you, you could just play basketball and play with the Boston Celtics and make millions of dollars, right. but you don't stop there. You go way beyond what you do on the court, unlike I would say any mm-hmm. player in the game today, even at the risk of your own life, and you have threats right. and travel limitations, why have you taken a stand for democracy, for human rights, against the Turkish government of Recep Erdogan? Why take that chance, make that risk? You're making millions of bucks playing a kid's game, right. living the life, man. So why take that chance? I mean, it's it's it's... Definitely tough because like I I remember like every time I talk to a teammate or a coach and like the first first words they always give me are you crazy because like it because they said you're an NBA player just keep your mouth shut just play your basketball and make your meals and live a happy life but I think what I'm doing is way bigger than just basketball and everything I'm doing because I have a platform and I'm trying to be the voice of all those innocent people who don't have a voice out there. And what I'm trying to stand up for, you know, is human rights, democracy, freedom of speech, religion, and expression. So I think for me, it's very, very important to have all this in my country, uh, Turkey. And if you look at it, unfortunately, we have none of those uh, conversations that happen in Turkey. So that's why I'm trying to use my platform to say, hey, we need to change and change cannot wait. So that's why I, you know, I uh, talk about some of the issues going on in my country and affected me and my family. You know, my, fam- my, my, my father was a genetic professor and he got fired from his job. My, my sister went to medical school for six years. Now she cannot find a job. And my little brother was actually trying to be a basketball player. And he literally got kicked out every team in Turkey because he carried the last name with me. And then lastly, you know, in 2000, back in 2017, the... Uh, the Turkish government revoked my passport. So, you know, last time I left uh, the country was a long time ago. So, so just because I talk about these issues, of course, it affected me and my family, but it's definitely way uh, bigger than that. You have a lot of close relationships with members of incredibly NS. I don't know if anyone is as bipartisan as you on Capitol Hill today, where we can't even agree the sky is blue on a given day. It's impressive to see you meet with members of both parties. I can't think of anyone that is doing that in pop culture and sports and certainly not in politics. How do you impact change in that regard, though? I mean, we just, I, I'm, like you said, I've been sitting down with a lot of lawmakers, you know, congressmen, congresswomen, senators and everything. And then I'm sitting down and telling my story, and then they're always stopping me in the middle and say, hey, don't worry about it. We already know this, uh, this conversation. How can we help you? So I think for me, once when they say that, it just gives me so much hope that I'm like, okay, they know what's going on, so let's try to find a solution. So I think it's just, you know, it's just, you know, Democrats and Republicans and everybody been trying to help me big time. And, you know, because they know what people are going through in Turkey. You know, my family is only one because I play basketball and NBA and you guys know my story. But there are thousands and thousands of families out there. You know, their situation is way worse than mine. Right now, there are 17,000 innocent women are in jail right now. And almost 1,000 babies and kids are in jail growing up with their mothers just because of they don't think the same way what the Turkish president thinks. So for me, it's like, hey, I understand you guys are worried about me. It's cool. But like, hey, there are a thousand families out there. They're waiting for your help, too. And it's the support that you've gotten from the teams that you've played for in the NBA uh, with trying to make a difference and creating a lot of awareness. Um, sometimes teams just want a guy to go, hey, I just want you to come here and play basketball. I, right. I don't want you to get involved in all that. How supportive 
have the teams been that, that you've played for and really kind of understanding what you're trying to do, raising awareness while playing basketball at a high level? I mean, it's, of course, it's a, those are like very complicated uh, conversations. But once I sit down and talk to them one-on-one and explain them what's going on, they're like, the lawmakers, like, how can we help you? So I think, you know, it, it, it's amazing to see all my teammates, all my coaches, the fans, the organizations always trying to help me. You know, I remember one day I, when I was with the uh, Celtics, um, I told them I need to go to D.C. And we had a very important practice and film session that day. And then everybody is like, don't worry about it. You go ahead, do what you do. We we got this. Come back and join us in the, the next day. So I think for me, just seeing uh, you know seeing a lot of support from my coaches and the players is definitely a lot to me because that, that gave me so, uh, so much hope. As a guy who's worked at both Fox News and CNN, I very much admire your bipartisan <laughs> approach. We encourage all of you to check out nscantor11.com if you want to help in this crusade to spreading democracy and human rights. And you can also check out the Ennis Cantor Show on NBC Sports Boston. Uh, speaking of Boston, and I, men- I mentioned Kendrick Perkins earlier in this interview. I have to ask you about a tweet uh, from a week ago. Uh, Kendrick yeah. Perkins <laughs> tweeted that the Celtics are missing one piece, and that's a center who can anchor their defense. Right, you right. replied, don't do drugs. What's your response to Kendrick <laughs> Perkins? <laughs> well, I think well, he doesn't know what's going on inside of our locker room, you know. So we won't let anyone get into our head. It doesn't matter who you are. So that that's why I tweeted. I tweeted, I, I respect Perkins a lot. I mean, obviously, he did a lot for the game, but, like, he doesn't know what's going on inside inside of our locker room. So for, for, for us, it's just us against the world. So that's why I'm like, yeah, dude, don't mess with, don't mess with our bigs, don't mess with Gordon Hayward, don't mess with nobody because these guys are my family, these guys are my brothers. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, stay in your lane. One on one, Kendrick Perkins, Ennis Cantor in his prime. Who wins? Oh wow, um, I think I shall take it. <laughs> 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 You'll take it. All right, final question. Toughest guard in the toughest guy to guard in the NBA Ooh. today for you. I will I'm going to say in my position I think I will say Anthony Davis, but in any position I will say James Harden. This guy can drop probably 60 every game. He's, he's so special, so talented offensively. It's unbelievable. So I will say my position Anthony Davis any position, James Harden. It's amazing how little people talk about the offensive accomplishments of James Harden. It's been a great pleasure oh, yeah. having Celtic center Ennis Cantor on the program today. Check out EnisCantor11.com. That's where you can help with the Ennis Cantor Foundation, spreading democracy and human rights. And he weighed in on the life and legacy of Kobe Bryant this morning. And it's great pleasure. Thanks, my friend. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. That is Ennis Cantor, a true one-of-a-kind. Uh, Jason, there is nobody like him in the NBA today or even close. Of the multicultural aspect of the NBA, and I love when guys do what he's doing, using his platform to create some change. And he's such a well-spoken you know, young man and tremendous, tremendous stuff that he's doing for his country and creating that awareness as well. And it, just good on him for doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to think of a guy who's making millions of dollars a year and could just be fat and happy and live it mm-hmm. up and love that NBA life, but then goes outside of that at, at the risk of his own life. I mean, this guy has death threats. This guy can't travel abroad. Imagine who among us has the kind of courage that Ennis Cantor has. I can't think of anyone in this game or any other professional sport today. What an honor it was speaking with him. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll get into some Super Bowl prop bets and also uh, the greatest halftime shows of all time. What about the worst? And what about the expectations for J-Lo on Super Bowl Sunday? That's in just a minute. After a quick break and a word from our friends at ZipRecruiter, it's a new year and you want to keep growing your team, but you need the right tools and help to keep hiring streamlined and efficient. And that's where our good friends at ZipRecruiter come in. You got to check them out 
at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They have powerful matching technology. ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes, finds the right people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. Applications come in. ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. Folks, it is the best way to hire in 2020 and beyond. Our listeners can check them out for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. And again, that is free, just like the Radio.com app. ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Back with Super Bowl prop bets and the best halftime show of all time, Super Bowl history. Hey, everybody. It's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember... You can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.